0: Hello, and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today. I'm going to be talking about the OKC Blues latest game against the Stockton Kings, the implications they have towards the Winter Showcase, and then I'm also going to be talking about the Thunder Clippers game coming up tonight, and to top it all off, I'm going to be giving a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that but starting things off with the OKC Blue. They played against the Stockton Kings on Wednesday, defeated them pretty handedly, and then they come in again for the baseball set closer. OKC comes into this one at 7-4 and four on the year, whereas the Kings are sitting at 6-5. This game had a lot of underlying playoff implications or the showcase tournament implications because only the top eight teams make it. An 8-4 record clinches a spot. No two ways about it. If they were 7-5, though, it would have gone down to some tiebreakers. So they knew they needed a victory here, and they would get in to the Winter Showcase tournament going on next week. But business at hand here. The OKC Thunder brought down a plethora of assignments to help them out in this one. Trey Man got called down. Ty Jerome was back. Aaron Wiggins was down after starting his second career game. And then Alexei Pokusevsky, after playing his G League uh, return game on Wednesday, was back after sitting with the OKC Thunder that very same evening. So the starting unit had Trey Mann, Ty Jerome, Aaron Wiggins, Alexei Pokusevsky. And DJ Wilson, when you compare that to the Kings, they pretty much had the exact same lineup as last game, except Queta, who was their best shot blocker, got moved back up to the Kings, meaning Emmanuel Terry got the minute boost there. Uh, and that's obviously going to side in the Thunder's direction because they dropped 70 points in the paint in Wednesdays contest but you go into this and the okc blue start hot as a pistol picked up the pace carried what happened on wednesday over start six of ten from the field the kings went two of ten and the assignments were the main story Koku opens with a catch and shoot three. He had another three about the seven-minute mark in this one as well. He was just hitting shot after shot. Ty Jerome was looking amazing around the basket. He had a layup and a floater in the first three minutes of play. And to open the game, the Blues started on a 26-8 run through the first eight minutes. And 22 of those 26 points came off of the Thunder assignment So they were simply just outmatching the Stockton Kings to open the game and then the second unit came out dropped six points consecutively I think it was a 6-2 end cap there to put the blue up 34 to 16 through the first 12 minutes nobody could defend anyone on the blues roster shots were coming in from all different angles and that was no different in the second frame as well because Rob Edwards took over I've said time and time again this is how Rob Edwards plays you give him the basketball you get out of the way and if he's feeling it it's going to be a nightmare for the opposition the first five minutes came straight out of hell for the Stockton Kings Rob Edwards only had two points in the first quarter he got his tally up to 14 points after four and a half minutes of the second quarter he hit three catch and shoot triples All of those came off of Xavier Simpson, and the beauty of it, two of those threes came at the left wing, that has always been his hot spot, you can't defend him over there, he went two of two in that stretch from that wing, and then on another shot attempt, he actually got fouled, putting him to the line for one attempt, he drilled it, so he was looking mighty fine with 14 points, pretty much fueled the Blues offense to begin the frame, and that's all that they needed. He had 16 points by halftime here. Poku had five of the team's final seven in this half, and they win in a halftime of 70-39. to 31-point lead for the Blue after just 24 minutes of play. Their offense is off the charts. And to start out the third quarter, you had Grant Gibbs enlisting the second unit. They didn't really fall off. You would think maybe that's when the Kings make it interesting was not very interesting going up into the fourth quarter 94 to 68 so it actually got bolstered a little bit to the tune of a 36 point lead And then in the fourth quarter, you got to see the very back end of this roster. Guys like Michael Benege, Lindy Waters, and Justin Jarowski to name a few. They all got some time to shine. Olivier Saar, after only playing seven minutes on Wednesday, got to play the majority of that second half. He finished in double figures in this game. And everyone was just getting their touches. They end up taking this game 121 to 93 28 point victory led as much as 37 points in this game that moved them to eight and four on the season gives them the magic number and gives them a spot in the eight team tournament going on next week and then for the kings they come out of this 12 game stretch at six and six so this was a crucial baseball set for the okc blue they lost both of their games against the south bay lakers who are in their region so they needed to win both against the kings they do so and they come in as a wild card i'll go into the implications in a second here but first i just want to talk about this game flow they continue to just dominate game after game game it doesn't matter if there are assignments they can have as much as two to four out there and i still can confidently say hey if you just plug in the exhibit 10 guys they would do a pretty solid job as well dj wilson's always etching 18 points around eight rebounds a game i'm sure if you put rob edwards out for 30 minutes he's going to be dropping 25 a night pretty easily And then you look at some of the others, like Xavier Simpson, this dude was a really good starting point guard for the Blue last season. Only real hitch was his jump shot. It hasn't been that big of a problem right now, but yeah, I'd say for the most part, they could get a formidable starting five out of the Exhibit 10s, and you really would not see much of a decline. You'd have Simpson out there, you'd have Edwards, you'd have Melvin Frazier, DJ Wilson, and Jalen Horde. It's a pretty well-rounded unit. Uh, But then, obviously, they do get to top it off with all the assignments, and that's how they're getting these major, major victories. But this also makes them a very scary team going into the Winter Showcase just because of how depth-heavy this roster ends up being. Just breaking down the numbers from this game, though, you're going to look at the top scorer from the contest. You really can't pick out one. They finished this game with eight different members. Actually, excuse me, seven different members. double digits had a couple nearing them as well the highest uh, point total was actually split between the exhibit 10s dj wilson had 16 and then rob edwards had 16 points as well rob edwards only played 20 minutes in this game he played in that first half and then he played a little bit in the third quarter but he didn't get the 28 to 30 minute treatment if you give him 28 to 30 like i said 25 points 11 of those points came in a span of four and a half you want to extend it to six you're looking at 14 of those 16 points he scores in bunches he turns into a star out of nowhere and that's what you love about rob Edwards. so he takes the cake as probably the player of the game goes four of six from the field three of five from distance and then sticks both of his free throws uh, both worth varying points has 4 rebounds and 3 assists in the game. So a lot of props has to go to him. Same with Wilson. 7 of 11 from the floor. 2 of 4 from 3. Typically, he's shooting about 1 of 4. Or he's going just blank from distance. So it was nice to, uh, nice to see him kind of get some more steam back there. Didn't have a lot of rebounds. Obviously, did not need him. He only had 6 in this game. And he had 2 assists to go along with it. But I think what everyone wants to know about... Uh, is how these assignments did. And Alexei Pokushevsky played way better than the first one I said in yesterday's pod that I wasn't all that concerned about Poku not playing uh, that well. Only had, I think, four points or six points. I think it was six and ten in his debut game. Uh, but it didn't matter. Even though the shot chart looked bad for him, it's his first game back. It's kind of bound to happen. He's kind of one of those players where he'll kind of spiral out of control at some points, but you're going to see moments of greatness. This was one of them for him. He goes 6 of 9 from the floor, 3 of 5 from distance, puts up 15 points in 24 minutes, and gets 3 rebounds and 2 assists to go along with it. Aaron Wiggins had a very beautiful transition bucket in this game. He finishes with 15 points as well, going 4 of 6 from the floor. Didn't take a 3-point shot, but went 4 of 4, from inside and that's one of the things that you see from Aaron Wiggins he's much more of an inside out player with the G League roster Uh, and then whenever you look at him with the OKC Thunder he's more of that catch and shoot guy who occasionally will come in for the backdoor cut so it's nice to see him uh, kind of expand his boundaries because we know he's a pretty decent three-point shooter but him just hounding around the basket It means a lot. We saw it in the Summer League. We're seeing it now in the G League. If he's able to kind of blossom that into a genuine part of his game, it's going to be huge for when he makes that transition to the Thunder for another assignment. Looking at the other two guards on the rotation, you had Trey Mann, who finished with 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists, had 3 steals to go along with it in his 25 minutes, and he shot 4 of 9 from the floor, 2 of 5 from distance, and splashed down a limitless range triple, at the left wing he has got it we know he's a really pure shot creator here he didn't go out of his way to just take shot after shot he was making the extra pass everyone on this team was eating and that's why they end up taking this one by almost 30 points and then for ty jerome he kind of had the majority of his points front loaded had those two quick layups went three of six from the field three of three on the interior went oh of three from distance had four rebounds Seven assists and only two turnovers. This is what I'm talking about, guys. He is such a smart passer. The assist to turnover ratio is always going to be a beauty with him. It's always going to be a beauty with other guys such as Xavier Simpson as well. He had five assists on the game, had three turnovers, so not as amazing as usual. But he was still pretty solid in that area. Only had three points, though, in his 19 minutes. He went one of seven from the field. But going out to some of these other bench guys, I want to start with Olivier Saar. He comes in, like I said, after only playing 7 minutes against the Stockton Kings on Wednesday. Drops 10 points and 8 rebounds. 4 of 8 from the field. 0 of 1 from 3, but hits his singular free throw. I really like Olivier Saar. 7-footer with a lot of bounce. If he can really establish himself from the 20-foot range, just anywhere to where he's a legitimate pick-and-pop threat, i really like him as a potential prospect he's already aged 22 so you got to take that into consideration but i do like him a decent bit and then jalen horde as well he had his stint with the thunder last year on that two-way contract he drops 12 points in 13 minutes goes five of seven from the field one of one from the charity stripe and drops seven rebounds as well the only real hit from Wednesday to this game, uh, came in the form of Melvin Fraser Jr.'s minutes. He goes down to 18 minutes in this game. Goes 0 of 4 from the field. All four came from distance, and he drops just two points, three rebounds, and has two steals. Melvin Fraser Jr. never has that certified role with this roster. I talked about it last year. He never really had that place. This season, it's looked like he's been on the up and up, but now it gets stripped away. I think the main reason you saw that is due to Wiggins coming back, due to Poku coming back. This is not the first time we've seen this. This is literally the same story uh, as we heard from Jalen Horde a season ago. He was always the sixth man behind Poku, uh, but he always looked pretty impressive off the bench. This was probably his worst performance of the year, though, shooting-wise. You would think uh, depending on the recalls he should have a bigger slice of minutes and just a bigger role going into the winter showcase because he has looked very good in the past week or so and so the okc blue two-game win streak they had a major hiatus before going into that baseball set so they are rumbling into the winter showcase in a three-way tie for sixth place but based on the website it looks like the blue should be the sixth seed it always comes down to plus minus and their plus minus is insane I think the only team better might be the main uh, red claws but it wouldn't be by very much they might be the Celtics I think it's the main Celtics I'm still kind of caught up why they changed the name of it but yeah they're really high up there I think the two teams tied with them are kind of in their own category anyways so they should be the sixth seed if that's what it comes to. And then their matchup sort of depends because, as you guys remember, uh, back in the playoffs, like must have been like 8, 9, 10 years ago, you would see that the top four seeds always went to the best players in divisions. I guess it would be the top three for playoffs. So you could have a team that's 40 and 42. If they're the best team in your division, they're going to be the third seed in the conference. And even if there's a dude or there's a team that's 55 wins, they're going to be slotted at number four just due to the divisional rankings. And there's four different regions that were used during this winter showcase bracket, the 12 game stint. Uh, And as a result, you see some teams that are nine and three winning their brackets and another team like the main Celtics that finished 10 and two, yet they are second in their region so if they do region teams taking the top four seeds this is not going to affect the blue they're still going to be sixth regardless but it would move the main red claws down to the fifth seed and that makes the matchup for the game against the south bay lakers and i already talked about it a second ago they're 0-2 against them they were both in the same region i would expect it just goes by top record record first seeding hopefully that's the case but if it's going to be region locked first they'll be playing the south bay lakers as that three seed if not it's going to go to the wisconsin herd for that third seed i almost prefer that matchup just because the thunder or the blue have not yet needed to face off against them uh, against the bay, uh, south bay lakers you kind of know and uh, have the scouting report on them and i'm all for kind of just craziness so you beat that three six game next up you'd probably find yourself against the two seed or the seventh seed and then there would be that championship so at best case scenario they're going to be playing three games over the course of next week if not they'll just be playing one it's single elimination so if you lose first round that's it as for the other teams that are not in the top eight they'll still be making their trip down there they will be playing in two games that have no real attachments to them. If the Blue win, though, $100,000 will go to that franchise. I believe they'll have to split that up uh, 12 or 15 ways, however it is. If not, maybe all of them get $100,000. We'll see how it works. We've just seen bits and pieces on the website before. But yeah, uh, that was just a fun little game. And because of the victory, they are in a spot to make some bank next week so i'll keep you guys covered i think what i'm gonna do next week is just split the pod between blue coverage and thunder coverage it's probably my favorite week we're gonna find at least right now because of what's going on with the g league Uh, just makes it so interesting there's so many different storylines that come out of these tournament type systems but going into just regular season play for the thunder i want to break down the thunder's upcoming game against the la clippers but first i'll let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action packed, high scoring NFL game, but with the latest no brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets if they score you score with promo code tbpn this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older in new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving on into the Thunder's upcoming game against the LA Clippers. They've had two separate breaks now where it's been a game, two days off, game. Game, two days off, game. Now they're back on the trail. They're going to have another stoppage. Won't play Sunday. Then they'll play against the Grizz on Monday. But they got to get done with the L.A. Clippers first. Starting out with Lou Dort, though. There's a decent chance he'll be back at full strength. He's not set in stone for the rotation just yet. So he might be a game time call there. That's going to be the only true injury you're going to find on this roster. As for the L.A. Clippers, they are out of a lot of players currently. Kawhi Leonard is going to headline that bunch. He hasn't been playing all year. But behind him, Paul George is questionable for the game, and so is Nicholas Batum. So, those are two starters that might not be suited up there. You already know Kawhi's out. That's going to take heavy artillery away from this Clippers roster, and it's going to leave them in a pretty damn vulnerable situation. You look at what the Thunder were doing in their previous game, made it one hell of a roller coaster in their previous matchup literally came down to that miraculous buzzer beating shots and when you look at who was performing you're looking at the stars sga is fully healthy he dropped 33 he was feeling it from distance shot four of eight after shooting below 30 percent in the last 10 games checking out some other guys too josh giddy he was nearing a triple double he had 17 9 and 7 across 37 minutes and kenrich williams Was dominant he had 17 points as well off the bench muscala had 16 so everybody was feeling it if they're going to continue the clippers better be showing up they're going to have to outsource their offense to different areas because through the majority of the season they've been living through paul george however even with that the clippers have looked good without pg and Kawhi the last four games that's how long pg has been out and in that stretch they have won their past three of four just coming off a 21 point loss against the utah jazz but before that they were getting victories against some top tier teams they beat the phoenix suns 111 to 95 they beat the magic by two and they beat the celtics by three and when you do a little bit of a number crunch here on how they were performing uh, you're looking at some of these role players amping up their roles reggie jackson is the main one he went off during the playoff stretch when they needed somebody reggie jackson comes in as that buyout pickup and then he's dropping 20 a game and the last four games he's been averaging 19 points and five rebounds shooting a decent clip at three right at 33.3 percent behind him marcus morris has been averaging 18 points to go along with seven rebounds luke kennard has been dropping 16 as that three-point threat he shot 57 percent during that stretch and even more guards eric bledsoe and terrence mann have been dropping double figures bledsoe's at 12 terrence mann is at 11 and a half and then you have guys like isaiah hartenstein with 9.8 and even brandon boston surprise second round selection he's looked really good as of late Uh, so he's been nearing 10 points there so it makes the matchup intriguing because they don't have their true forwards they've been dependent a lot more on the guards but they still have some centers isaiah is one of them in addition you do have a vaka zubach that will be out there so if they wanted to they could try to work around the basket but that's just not been their play as of late they've been looking to use the guards that's the same system the thunder have been playing so does this mean the small ball system might actually work This would be the game that I think you could test it out. Now, when I look at Zubac, I look at a center that probably will cause issues for Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Isaiah Roby if they play. For Derek Favors, it might be a different situation, but I don't like the Zubac matchup. Outside of that, though, I am a okay with Hardenstein. I don't think he's as big of a threat, and if you kind of limit them from the paint, that's when this really turns into a fireworks show, and this kind of makes this one a must Watch. Even though you have a short-handed Clippers team, this isn't gonna be a give me, but you know, this this is the perfect platform for guards like Train Man, for guards like SGA to just pop off. Because when it's gonna be this back and forth, a lot of it will come down to the three-point game. Now the Thunder have not looked great from there as of late, but it means there's gonna be a lot more possessions going back and forth throughout the night. Might see a high scoring outing at the Paycom Center in this one. Game's going to tip off at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Like I said, they have this game, and then they're going to take their one-day break before playing the Grizz, one-day break before playing the Nuggets, and then they're going all the way to Phoenix to play the Phoenix Suns. So they're going to get pretty damn active here when it comes to playing some games. They've been kind of lax in terms of the schedule you get two days to process what happened in the chaotic finish versus the pelicans get the suit up again and try to get some more momentum i think this is a perfect game to do it and when you look at the kind of implications uh, the thunder own the clippers first round pick unprotected so getting a win here even more incentivized because yeah you're going to hinder a couple of your ping pong balls but For the Clippers, you're going to push them a little bit closer to the boundary line of making the lottery. Currently, they are sitting at 16 and 13. Earlier on in the year, they weren't looking too nice. They were stuck in the bottom 10 of teams. They're clearly out of that now, but move them a little bit closer to the bottom. It actually put them in a tie with the LA Lakers, so that would make for some hell of a story there in terms of the standings, but It is what it is. I will get you guys a game recap for the Thunder Clippers game tomorrow. In addition, I'm going to be talking a lot more on this OKC Blue team as they prep for the Winter Showcase. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.